All right, welcome everybody to the Canberra Football Show. I'm one of your co-hosts, Matt Nicoletti from Eminem Podcasts, along with Michael Georgeski. How's it going today, Michael? Yeah, good. Thanks, Matty. How are you? I mean, you know, despite you know Liverpool winning Don't the title. <sighs> Sorry, I had the I do. I'm with two United. I was going to come in quick. <laughs> I'm with two United fans here, and they just you know gave me pause to bring it in. So obviously, congratulations, Liverpool, and all their fans. I know there are plenty in Canberra, and commiserations to the United fans, like I have for two here today. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Sorry, boys, I had to. Anyway, so how's it going? We have Russ today with us. Russ, how are you? Good, thanks, lads, and uh, glad to be back on the show again. And indeed, and Michael. As we all know, return of MPL, MPL2, and MPLW will recommence on the 18th of July, and the mini roos are back for certain clubs, except for Monaro. They're going to start after the school holidays, uh, as I'm yet to, as I'm believed. And uh, yeah, so there's only going to be run one round for each club. So for some, that'll be seven matches. Uh, for the women's, I'm assuming that'll be eight, and then they'll go straight into finals and the teams that don't make the finals will also be playing matches. Is that correct, as you've heard, Russ? I believe that's correct for men's MPL. For the women's, I believe they're just going straight um, to the final series, I believe. That may change, though. But they do get the extra game because not the I extra think so, team. Yeah. Awesome. And in other news, we've, of course, had the news of the FIFA Women's World Cup coming to Australia and New Zealand. How, how good is that, Michael? Oh, it's excellent. I mean, you know, we've been waiting for something like this I mean, for a long time, and I think it's great, uh, especially for the uh, for the women's uh, game as well, to get uh, to get a spectacle like uh, the World Cup uh, here in this country. Um, and it's not not too far away either, uh, to twenty twenty three. So, um, very excited. Can't wait to see the Matildas uh, in action. How about you, Russ? Yeah, can't wait. It's going to be great. I'm particularly looking forward to seeing how the mainstream media react to having a world-class event on their doorstep. They don't get it very often. And to be able to see how many people are going to travel to this country from overseas and get the real passion and buzz. And we've seen over the last two women's or two or three women's World Cups just how big it is. And I think having this event, um, there's a lot of people in Australia that won't will underestimate the size of this. It is a huge event and it's going to be a massive boost in the arm, not only for women's football in Australia, but football in general. And I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. Right. What about the news that there's not going to be any games um, being played uh, in, in Canberra? Yeah, from a Canberra point of view, it's, I think it's from our perspective, it's a little bit disappointing that, that we're not going to be involved in the party, um, per se, the main party. Um, I understand that Matt might have some news regarding um, some warm-up matches or something that he spoke to Phil Brown about today, which he'll tell you about in a minute. But yeah, I think it's disappointing. Financially, I can see why they've done it, but it's a, it, it's a great opportunity that's been lost to this region. I like to think that women's football in Australia, Canberra is at the forefront of it, has been for many, many years. People like Heather Reid have driven that when she was at Capital Football, bringing Canberra United here and giving us a taste of the National League. Um, before that, our National League team's rep sides um, always did very well in the competitions they were in. So it's a little bit disappointing from from a Canberra perspective that we're not going to be an actual part of the, of that party. And, you know, if, if there was a scope for that to change, which I, I doubt there is, but if there was, it would be great if it did. Indeed, and uh, Phil Brown did speak to... Uh, right ACT today, I saw that interview online and he discussed the possibility of warm-up matches for not just the Matildas but anyone uh, that is willing to come here. But as you know, we're not sure if how that's going to work out with COVID restrictions and whatnot, but not by then. You know, we would hope that there is a vaccine by that point, so that would help any further um, 
people coming to the country and hopefully it's not just teams hopefully it is other fans from other countries or whatnot so hopefully there is a vaccine by then i hope we're not in covid in three years time uh, i hope not as well so let's just hope there's a va- vaccine by that point absolutely spanish flu did last two years but obviously that was very different times more than 100 years ago so got a bit of research there haven't you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or got a history degree yeah indeed so let's start with the women's preview this is one we were actually planning on doing the week that the ban was put in place. So we are here three months later to uh, pick up the pieces where we left off. Well, we're here now, which is, which is good. We can uh, concentrate on the women's side of the game, which is something that I think we've talked about uh, in depth um, off air. I mean, how important it is to not only cover the men's game here, but, but the women's game uh, as well, and at all levels with the juniors too. Um, so Maddie, just to kick it off, uh, Belconnen United, yeah, they've had a few changes, obviously, in the off-season. Uh, their long-tenured coach, Anthony, uh, has stepped down after 10 years. He's had some quite impressive uh, results, such as nine consecutive premierships, or nine in 10 years. After he took over in 2010, he also had won six out of the past eight finals and secured five trebles in the last six years. However... There has been another coaching change in the past week. Alan Marin has resigned and in comes the assistant coach, Ahmed Ugul, who is a rookie in terms of having first team jobs anyway um, in the senior division. Russ, how will these um, changes play into the game of the reigning champions, do you think? I've said um, all along, I, I likened it to when Alex Ferguson stepped down at Manchester United and the, uh, the person that had to follow him um, was David Moyes and it was really difficult for that person to follow in the footsteps of, of someone who's achieved so much and anti-Jagarinic has achieved everything there could possibly be to achieve in women's football in Canberra at that level. Um, I was excited to see Alan Marin come in and I'm disappointed for him that he's decided to step down and I know that would have been a difficult decision for him to take. Um, Ahmed Yugul comes in as you said and he's uh, going to bring a, a raw experience to that team. He has learned though off the last couple of years off of, off of the master as they say so the apprentice takes over. Um, their main change of course is uh, in personnel wise. Um, there's some players, big players that have left, some younger players that are coming in as well. Um, you know they've lost the likes of Lauren Keir, Caitlin Munoz, Bronte Pike um, and Sally James the goalkeeper and they've replaced them with some young, young talent that we're looking forward to see. Uh, they're obviously going to be a really good side again. They always are. They've got a conveyor belt of talent that comes through at McKellar there. Um, but the, the change of a coach at this late stage, possibly two weeks before we start the season, does Ahmed come in? Does he change the formation that, that Alan was going to play? What have they done up to this point? We don't know. It's going to be really interesting. And, and if there's one season that they could be knocked off their perch, to paraphrase Fergie once again, it could be this time. Well, I'm sure that is something we will be mentioning uh, later into the podcast. One, when doing research for this, the one thing that really stood out to me about their success last year was their defence. They only conceded two goals all season, which is absolutely incredible. Like, you, you never see stats like that. And that leads me to our next question for you, Russ. What is it about the women's system, in particular at Belconnen, where they just have success at all levels? And Alan did tell, when I talked to Alan before, he said he felt comfortable in taking over the position from someone who was there 10 years because the development of the coaches and the players, it's just so systematic and it just flows so well, he said. So he, and he was assistant coach. So what is it about this system at Belco that's so successful? If there's one legacy that Anthony's going to leave, it is the fact that he did bring on a lot of young talent through those ranks. And Belconnen 
a very good club in that respect. That they never went cherry picking other clubs' better players. They developed their own for for the most part. Um, and that was something that Anthony was really keen on. I think that's something that will come through again this season. We'll see a lot of young talent in there. The, the difference being, I think, of course, this year is the great unknown of, of what we're going to get off of, of one round worth of season. You mentioned the defence. Um, and I mentioned that three quarters of, of the five, or three of the five, the two, the centre-back, Lauren Kier, Bronte Pike, at full-back has gone as well. Replacing them is going to be really, really difficult. Having looking at the players that have come in, though, I'm really excited to, to see Mia McGovern in a Belcon United shirt. She was excellent when I saw her for Cambridge United Academy uh, last year as well and in that advanced midfield role and playing some precise passes and with the quality that they've got in and around her as well, she could have a standout season. But defensively, they might be more vulnerable than last year. They've got Jesse Rashart back, I understand, as well, so that's going to make a big difference to them. Um, will they concede more goals than that last year? Well, you'd probably think so. It would be almost impossible for them to keep a, such a clean sheet again. Michael, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I was uh, just thinking uh, just then about more so, um, you know, the shortened season, the shortened uh, season that we were uh, discussing uh, prior. I mean, I was going to actually flip this back to you. Um, it, it was more so just look. We've seen how dominant they've been over the last um, the last decade, but I, I suppose does the shortened season. Um, is that a disadvantage uh, to 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 Belcon at all? Does it give uh, the other teams a bit more uh, of a of a chance a ch- chance against them? Well, I guess it does. It depends it how they disrupts their their rhythm. I mean, you're only playing uh, how many games during the regular season? Like a, about eight games. Eight, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends. For everybody in that division, you've got to get off to a good start. If you don't get off to a good start, you're going to be struggling. Um, Belcon United, have we said, haven't lost a lot of football matches over the past three or four years. They're not accustomed to it. Um, they've not had to really react to losing football matches, so it'll be interesting to see how they how they do go if they do struggle. I happen to think with the roster that they've got, that they're still they're still the team to beat. They've lost some talent, but they've still got a lot of talent coming through. They've um, picked up a, a young player, Olivia Bonford from Olympia Warriors, as well, that they're talking good things about. So interested to see her have a run as well. Um, but yeah, they, they are to, there to be shot at, as the champions always are. But this isn't new to them. It's not new to players like Michaela Day, who's been there for for so long. It's not new to her. Um, that they're the team to be to be aiming for for everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess moving on now, uh, Matt, uh, to last year's uh, uh, second place uh, team, uh, Camera of Croatia. Well, yeah. When we talk about the competitors for Belconnen, and if this is if there is ever a year with all the changes happening, this might be the year. Everyone would say Canberra Croatia coach Nick Brozinic. Did quite well from last season, finished second on the table, only lost 1-0 in the final, if I'm not mistaken, quite a close match. And But Nick, Nick, when I talked to him, he said he didn't believe the departure of Anthony would give his Canberra side a advantage because he believes that long-enduring program for Bolcon and leads them up for success, like we've discussed. However, they still have key player Brittany Palombi, who scored... 28 goals last season she will be key in terms of driving that attack forward uh, and she was the second highest comp- uh, scorer in the competition last season he said to me uh, during the off season like I'm sure a lot of them a lot of the clubs did they focused on individual drills cardios trying to keep keep the fitness and whatnot of the team because it was interesting because he did tell me though before the season started he, uh, his team actually was not going to be playing for two weeks because they had the bye and then they had Easter. 
So now they'll sort of be on even playing field in that regard. Russ, how do you look at Canberra FC's, sorry, Canberra Croatia's prospects this season? I think to address the elephant in the room in the first instance was the way their season ended last year with the acrimony around the substitution that led to the winning goal in the grand final um, when goalkeeper Nat Vasta was taken off and there was a lot of division in that changing room um, between people who, who th- thought that Nick had made the wrong decision to bring Chantal Jones on at that stage and I've spoken to Nick at length about this and he's owned up to the fact that he did make a mistake so h- him winning back his dressing room is key um, and I believe he's been working really hard to do that and I think he will get back on an even kill for, in that respect I mean, he's a good young coach and he's got a lot of quality there looking at his group um, he has lost Rachel Goldstein who was a source of a lot of goals for Canberra FC last year and Isabella Tamaro at the back was probably um, one of their better defenders as well but they have brought in Grace Fields which is a, a big big signing for them and you can imagine her linking up at the back there with Grace Gill just in front of her as well and they've got bags and bags of quality Isabella Balach is coming to this squad as well although I understand she's um, she's uh, had an injury um, which might rule her out for the season which is which is a shame already but Nick's main task, of course, is to get his team up and running again, get them over the disappointment of, of not picking up any trophies last year, losing um, one of the best Federation Cup semi-finals I've seen for a long, long time, narrowly to Belcon and United, showed that they they were the side that we all thought they were, that they could really challenge, and unfortunate to lose that grand final, both teams had chances, and they will be there or thereabouts again this year, and I've got a good feeling for Canberra Croatia this year, if they can utilise their strengths, with their more experienced players against perhaps what Belcon and United can put out on the park, they've got a really good chance of taking home a piece of silverware. Yeah, and they did talk about, and you have, we have talked uh, at length about Belcon and bringing more youth through, which is also what Ahmed told me when I talked to him earlier today. They've got a lot more youth, and one of their goals is to bring through the youth successfully. Considering Canberra FC has a little more, uh, a little more experience in that regard, it will sort of you would think it would help them, especially with all the changes happening. I think so. I think the, the, the key for them is to win something. Once you win something, it's, it's very easy then to just keep winning things after that. And Belconi and I have shown that. It's getting that first win. I mean, you mentioned as a Liverpool fan, getting, getting a win under the belt for Jurgen Klopp, whatever it was in in the, in the League Cup or whatever it may have been a couple of years ago, was really important for Liverpool to get something. Once you win something, it's second play, commonplace for the players then to come back in and, and, and push on. And we've seen that in many, many divisions. And this is the key now for Canberra Croatia. They've got to get over the monkey that is Belconi United. They've got to get over the fact that they keep seeming to knock them off in all the big games when they're playing them. Once they do that, and they realise that they are a good football team and as good as Belconi United, which we've seen on the field last year, then there's no reason why they can't go all the way. Yeah, like despite the dominance that we've obviously uh, seen uh, Belconi United have in the MPLW competition for a long time now. I mean, we we touched. I mean, Matt, you touched on it before. They only narrowly lost that that final last year so i mean things can change uh, very quickly they've got the they've got the squad to to definitely do it they've got the talent as as well so i don't see why they uh could couldn't maybe um take that step forward and knock belcon off their perch that will certainly be their aim this season to win a title for sure now michael uh let's move on to canberra olympic all right well canberra olympic uh with coach uh andrew uh woodman uh they, they did finish uh, wooden spooners uh, last year in uh, in 2019. Uh, but when I was having a chat to Andrew, uh, but before uh, the the COVID uh, pandemic hit, he stated that uh, they were actually having a really progressive uh, preseason. Um, you know, which translated actually to some good results. Um, 
with wins over uh, Gladsville uh, Ravens, who were the uh, who were the premiers uh, in the, in their competition in uh, New South Wales, and uh, while picking up a, another notable win, three uh, two against uh, Southern Branch uh, FC, um, they also uh, have had a big area of progression, um, which has been sort of focusing on building intensity of of their training by um, you know by really focusing on in on a in, on a style that they're uh, trying to play and uh you know nicole Begg was their assistant coach uh last year and uh, she will continue that role but she'll also be playing uh, uh in the team and um you know a- andrew came to olympic in uh i think it was november uh 2018 he said that it was come it was he said it uh coming into a tricky transition as, as as players wanted to leave or they needed a break from uh from football um, it's sort of shown how um, how far they've come um, over the last uh, over the last year, and hopefully it means uh, more consistent results out on the field. Considering they they had their uh, struggles uh, last year, uh, Russ, how do you view uh, Can- Canberra Olympic uh, heading back into uh, the competition? Yeah, last year was a difficult year for them. They lost a lot of talent um, from their roster just before the season started, and that that really reflected their ninth pace position but as you mentioned th- those two results that they had in pre-season they've also beaten the Canberra United Academy since then 2-1 as well and, yeah. and Nicole Beggar scored three of the of the um, seven goals that they've scored already in pre-season not only having her on board as a player as a coach but her twin sister Ashley Sykes has signed for Canberra Olympic as well um, so having those two players all of a sudden not just to, as players but as coaching and bringing those youngsters through it gives a whole different reflection and picture at this Canberra Olympic side. They, they've got experience, they've got pace, they've brought in some excellent talent from elsewhere as well, some good young young players coming in. Um, I don't think they're going to finish last again this year. I think that they're going to be a much better football side. Andrew's going to have another season under his belt as a coach as well, um, probably in, in different circumstances, but better circumstances in some respects to how he, how he was left last year with the, with the squad at the late stage. I think there will be a better footballing side and the addition of, as I said, of Beggs and Sykes to proven W League players and internationals of that quality will be a huge boost to them. They have a, certainly have a point to prove, especially after last season. You said they lost a lot of players. How, how keen do you think they will be to really prove that point, to say, look, last season isn't what we are. We, we, we are better than that and we'll prove it this season. The good thing when you have a whole new group of players that come in is that generally they're not mentally scarred by what's happened before. So they don't really look at it and go, we were, we were part of a group that got beat or we were part of a group that was great and finished fourth. They have a whole new concept of what's happening. And you find with young players these days is that they don't play on reputations. They play on what's put in front of them, which is good. And I think having those young players in this squad, coached by Andrew, uh, with assisted by Nicole, and I'm sure Ashley will have a lot of input in that as well, is going to make a big difference to them and I don't think last year's memories, if there are many of them, will will come back to haunt them. And moving on to Canberra United Academy, Michael, introduce us. Well, unfortunately I didn't have the chance uh, to get in touch with um, with, uh, Scott Scott O'Donnell, who's the interim uh, coach after the departure of uh, Heather Heather Garrick. but what I do know is that they uh, they obviously finished uh, third uh, last season with 41 points, uh, which is a great achievement. And they lost in the preliminary uh, final to Canberra Croatia uh, 4-1, so they'll be eager to really uh, get back and go that one step uh, further uh, this time around. And obviously a, a big uh, sort of focus uh, is on uh, Hayley Taylor-Young um, as a player to watch, um, having 
come off a terrific uh, season last year, being uh, the top scorer with uh, 30 goals. Russ, I, I can I noticed that they've brought in a few additions, but I mean they've had a fair few uh, players uh, depart. It's a standard Cambrian United practice. Once they get to the particular age, they're not part of the academy anymore. They all move along, and you tend to find every year they'll lose half a dozen, eight to up to eight players, and, and they'll replace them with the next generation of, of young talent that are coming through. And this has happened to them this year. They've they've lost Mir McGovern, which we mentioned, went to Belconnen. They've lost Demi Nikias to Word and Western, Isabella Barach, Ali Hinson, the goalkeeper, and Steffi Lejeune, who is a quality addition for Gungahlin United, which we'll talk about later on. But they brought some talent in. Sophia Christopherson had a good season last year with Woden Weston. Um, she's got a chance to prove herself. And you did mention Hayley Taylor Young. You can't go past someone who's played in the W League and scored in the W League as well. But I quite like the look last year of, of the Grove sisters. Annalise at the back and Sasha Grove at the front were perpetual motion the whole time. And Heather Garrick was really pleased with what she was seeing from those two. Um, we used to joke that they'd probably have some terrific backyard battles with one being a defender and one being a striker. Mm. Um, it, it would have been great to see that. Uh, but those two, I think, are going to have big seasons. Um, Scott O'Donnell has taken over, as you said, on an interim basis while they search for a new head coach. Bags of experience as a, as a, a technical director and as a coach himself, so they don't lose anything on that front. The transition between um, who does come in at head coach and when that happens might have a bearing on their season, as will the new youngsters coming through. But as always, they'll play the Cambria United way, they'll play possession football, they'll try and play the ball into Hayley Tellyon as often as, as they can, and no doubt she will score goal after goal after goal. Yeah, do you think that, I mean, we just touched on it there, that Scott O'Donnell is obviously uh, there on, a, on an interim basis, uh, I guess as they're trying to find a, a, a coach for that full-time role, do you think it's going to sort of uh, linger over their season and cre- create a, a notable sort of distraction, or do you think the players will really sort of set that aside and concentrate on getting the results out on the field. Scott O'Donnell has plenty of experience, as I mentioned, and he won't let it linger. I'm sure he's told them and kept them up to date with exactly what's happening in that group. Um, they're getting good quality coaching off him and his staff there anyway. Um, gives, and it's good that Canberra United have got someone of his ilk that they can bring into that gap to let them take their time a little bit more, especially in the situation we're in with COVID and make the right decision regarding a Canberra United head coach. Uh, now that they have an understanding of when the season's going to be starting, I guess, next year with Canberra United as well, They'll need to make that decision somewhere along the line. But as for the players, it's business as usual for them. They'll be they'll be taught the way that Canberra United plays. Scott O'Donnell knows it inside out, so I have no doubt that they'll be just as effective as they were. What what is considered a success for Canberra United this season, considering the interim coach and and whatnot? I don't think it's about results with Canberra United at all. They okay. love to they love to win. Of course, everyone wants to win. They want to get to finals. They want to play finals football. But for them, it's all about the progression of these young players into that Canberra United first team at W League level. We saw it last year with Hayley Taylor Young, um, and I'm sure there's plenty more left in in the tank for other players to come on through. That's a success, I think, as far as they're concerned. Would they would love to win the competition? Yeah. I mean, of course they love to win the competition. If they don't, is it the be all and end all for them? No, it's not. It's about progressing players through, and I think that's what they're doing. Moving on to Gungahlin United, Michael, you had a bit of a chat with Diego. Yeah, I, I did, uh, and I think some of the biggest biggest uh, talking points I got out of uh, that conversation with him was that uh, they've got a real mixture of talent uh, brought up from the younger age groups uh, to the to the first team, as well as uh, players coming across uh, from other clubs as well. Um, and when speaking to Diego, he really talked about sort of how much um, the club, uh, you know believes uh, in, in their structure um, from, from top to bottom and that he, he said that it's one of the best uh, in Canberra. Um, you know, that they've had games uh, lined up against NPL under-14s, uh, boys' oppositions uh, to help 
the girls prepare uh, for, the, for the upcoming year and I think uh, it's uh, well known that he's uh, got a great relationship with uh, Marcel, uh, the, the MP MPL1 uh, Gungalan coach. Uh, they've been friends for, for a very long time. Um, they hold uh, very similar uh, values uh, and, and thoughts when it comes to how uh, the club should be run and and their personal relationships means uh, they're so open with uh, like talking with with one another and really helping the cr club to maintain the level uh, that they're at at the moment um, and really just striving to make uh, Gungahlin successful you know now and, and and for years and years to come both with men's uh, and the and the women's uh, program uh, Russ how do you sort of look at um, Gungahlin uh, I mean they finished uh, they finished fourth last season uh, are we expecting a, a similar similar feat this well, time around? They were best of the rest last year, outside of the top three, which really st st um, stripped away from everybody else in the challenge. And Diego really got his play team playing well, especially towards the end of the season. They were winning games. Um, they were really disappointed, I know, to lose that elimination final 4-2 against the academy. They actually played reasonably well in that as well, but a couple of mistakes cost them goals. And I think Hayley Ted Young bagged a few that day. Um, they've signed Stevie Legends, as I said, um, from the academy. She's a really good, exciting prospect. She will add some energy to that team. And I'm interested to see how Isla Robertson goes, if she can push her way to a first-grade spot. Uh, she pushed a couple of times at Balcon, and um, Angie Jagarinich gave her a few games. So it'll be interesting to see how she goes. The best thing for them is that they've really lost no players. So the core of their squad remains the same. They'll be settled. They've got a settled coach as well. And they, there's no reason why they shouldn't kick on to higher stuff this season. Yeah, and I guess... How, how important is it that their squad actually hasn't changed much uh, at all? Because I mean, we noticed with the women's game here in Canberra, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of players leaving, there's a lot of new players coming in, and you know, settling into new systems and whatnot at a club. But it looks as though that Gungahlin, you know, they've kept the the same core of players. They've made a few additions. How, how important actually is it to have a, a, a settled squad? Uh, you know, not just for last season but this season and possibly going forward as well i think it's massively important especially the consider the situation that we're in with the lockdown and the limited time you've got to get a team together and ready to play into a shortened season and, and try and get some results it's a huge benefit to them that they've got a, a, a settled squad which they've tinkered with with a couple of neat additions here and there which will push the players that are in those positions to perform even better again i think they're a massive advantage for everybody in the fact they've not lost any of their core squad um, i expect them to kick on again this season um, and Diego as a coach uh, is improving every year on year as well and I think his squad and Gagarin in particular who, who are, as a club seem to be doing all the right things off the field as well um, it's an interesting season for them and I'm looking forward to seeing them in action and I would be very surprised if they weren't in the top four uh, Well moving on uh, turning our attention back to Matt uh, the Monero Panthers uh, Matt uh, what can you let us know about, about their preparations? Well, they've got a new coach in Paul Townsley and last season when I commentated a couple of games with Russ and we did a few of the Monaro games, um, them along with Wagga, which is frankly one of the games we saw, was it was an extremely, extremely young squad. So one key comparison I saw when I was talking to both him and Sam Gray, who's the Wagga coach, is they wanted to bring in a little more experience just to balance the teams up. One interesting thing I found out about Monaro is, is that they have a partnership this season with Brindabella, so they're from their eighteen from their eighteens women's, they have a pathway to get to MPL, uh, MPLW. Uh, before we talk about the actual team, do you think that a partnership will be beneficial to both clubs in that regard, Russ? 
I think so. Brindabella Blues women's team have, have done pretty well, considering um, in the division that they've been in the Capital League, I think they're playing at the moment. They did have a spell, I think, in women's Premier League a few years back where it didn't quite work out for them. They didn't have the depth of quality and they did get some heavy-handed beatings. But if you've got a, a team that you can feed into, um, it can only be a good thing. And we want to see strong football teams in this, in this town. And I think Brindabella helping Monero in that respect would be great. Um, Paul Townsley I spoke to on the weekend funnily enough he came down to watch our pre-season friendly uh, match and he was uh, quite confident with his group of players um, the struggle for Paul at the moment though is he is the only coach they do have in the women's programme and they've got three Premier League teams to look after so will that mean he's burning the candle at both ends so to speak it's going to be difficult for him he does need some assistance down there so if you are listening to this and you do like um, coaching and you think you can offer something at, at WMPL level, I'd encourage you to get in touch with not just Monero Panthers, but any of the clubs around town. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. Uh, he's lost his two leading scorers last year, Caitlin Joy and Alicia Moyran, and um, they got eight of the Panthers' goals, and they didn't get many last year. And uh, losing those two players is, is a massive loss to them. How will they replace them? is going to be uh, uh, the question. They've cast their net a bit further afield this year, I see, and they've got Sophie Andriolo coming down from Rubina, which I believe is in Queensland, correct me if I'm wrong, and a couple of young girls from the coast, Janet King and Taylor Wilson for the Wollumla Tigers. So be interesting to see how they slot into the Canberra environment as well, coming from places that are slightly a bit warmer than what we have here. But um, it's good to see that there's young talent are out there looking to go to clubs, and I think, as you mentioned, it will be a really young Monero Panther side, and Pre-season, they went down 5-0 to Woden Western. It was pre-COVID, so you know what can you take from that? Probably not a lot. Uh, will it be a difficult year for Paul? I think it probably will be. Um, but I think Monero Panthers have just got to give him time to get his feet under the table, sort out what he wants from that club and get them back onto an even keel because the last few years at that football club in the women's programme as well has been pretty difficult. It has for them, and he is obviously replacing Ian Worthington in that role. One interesting thing Paul said to me, which I found to repeat myself, quite interesting, uh, was that he said he believes the attendance has actually improved the uh, improved the attendance at the games and what uh, at the trainings. And what he meant by that specifically was, you said it has been difficult, and one difficult thing they've had is um, keeping players and gaining players and whatnot. He believes it's actually helped in that regard. It's brought a more cohesive unit to the squad, and not just that, uh, some of the players that they wanted to have pre-COVID whose minds weren't made up uh, because they didn't want to juggle uni and, and football or work in football and whatnot has actually pushed a lot of them over the line because a lot of them have missed football and I'm sure that's happened with quite a lot of clubs and uh, Paul expressed that to me so in a way it looks like the COVID situation has improved the team harmony at Monaro not that it was bad before but it's it looks like it's it's really brought a positive side to them in terms of the way they want to prepare this squad and in terms of numbers and in terms of the harmony of their squad. So it will be really interesting to see how they go this season. Paul has a lot of ideas for them. He wants to really try and work on a possession-based game, he told me, an attacking game. And with more of the experienced players they brought in to work with the youngsters they got, it could very well be a reality for them. Yeah, seven newcomers in the squad as well, which, um, as we mentioned talking about Canberra Olympic not long ago, they don't come in with the mindset about what happened last year. They don't have that mindset. They may have looked at the results, but they're like, well, I wasn't there, so who really cares what happened last year? Um, last year was last year. This is this year. Uh, with a young group comes enthusiasm um, and comes energy. What do you lose that? Well, you lose a bit of experience and a bit of nous, but you can teach that and you can coach that. And I think 
for Paul, it will be the same thing, a learning curve for him uh, in his first real role in the, the WNPL as a head coach. And uh, we wish him all the best. Indeed we do. And Michael, I believe you had a chat to Michael Aldred of Tuggerong United. Yeah, I, I did. They are obviously 2019. Uh, it wasn't a, wasn't a terrible uh, season for them. They finished uh, sixth, uh, which was, uh, I think, more than uh, 15 points uh, off the top four. Uh, when speaking to Michael, uh, he, he believes the team is stronger uh, than what it was last season, so that's really encouraging uh, to hear. And uh, They're looking to challenge for a final spot uh, due to the depth that they now have this season uh, compared to previous ones. Um, you know, they, they have a core group of, uh, a core group of girls sorry, uh, that have been uh, in the team for a few years now, and uh, he said that the, the additions will help them be uh, more competitive. Uh, against against all the teams uh, in the league, and you know they're talking about taking strides uh, forward uh, as a as a club. And uh, I remember Mike really touched base on sort of the, this tight knit uh, community that Tuggeranong have uh, in terms of the, uh, their their football, and um, you, you know that was evident when you know Mitch Stevens got them in the uh, got the uh, MPL one uh, men's team uh, in the finals in two thousand eighteen after they missed out. Uh, for the previous uh, 13 years and uh, Michael also said that you know they've uh, brought in players from other clubs and promoted our juniors um, which is another encouraging sign for obviously we, we've touched on it numerous times with women's football uh, just continual player development and, and youth uh, promotion in, in the region uh, here. Uh, Russ, how do you, how do you view uh, Tuggeranong uh, this, this season given that you know they look like They've had a really encouraging um, pre-season. I mean, despite everything that's that's happened with uh, COVID nineteen, um, but but some really encouraging signs there. Yeah, Michael comes back again down at down at Canberra, at or wherever they're going to be playing this year. And I think they were, like I said, they were the best of the rest um, of the outside the top five last year. Thirteen points was a decent return. Um, for a side which struggled in some parts, uh, the main area they really need to improve is up front. They only scored, um, I think it was 14 goals last season in, in 16 matches. Um, and if you're not scoring more than 14 goals in 16 matches, you're not winning games and therefore you're not putting points on the board. Michael will try and address that this year. Um, brought in a couple of players from the Monero Panthers in Elisa Bozanovska and Sofia Fulanetta, who both had good seasons for the Panthers last year. And he's gone into state to bring in Jackie Fisher and Bella Sanzari from Queensland and University of New South Wales, respectively. So there's a couple of new faces down there as well. Uh, if they can solve their goal-scoring problem, could they push for the top four? Possibly. It's going to be hard for them again, as it is for any club that's not in, entrenched in that top four. Um, sixth last year was a good return for them, I think. And um, I know Michael's had them training hard and he'll be keen to improve on that. Right, and I, I guess uh, I just wanted to touch on, you know, ha, how important we, we've touched on it with, uh, you know, Canberra, Croatia, uh, Belconnen, the Canberra United Academy, especially. They've all got those prolific goals up front, which help them a lot. And we're talking about, you know, how how Tuggeranong is is still searching for that. I guess how much of a narrative is is that gonna gonna play? Uh, this, this season. You're asking a former centre forward how important it is to score goals. <laughs> um, I would say it's pretty important. Yeah. Um, it, it, is, it is massive for them, and it, as it is for anyone in this division. Um, you, in an ideal world, you want to be sharing them around. Um, you want everybody to be able to chip in as you can, but at the end of the day, the teams that succeed have those players that, when it comes to the clutch moments, can step up and score goals. We've seen that in, in every club that we've we've talked about so far. And we've mentioned it um, with Canberra Olympic, having Nicole Bacon, having someone that can suddenly yeah. score goals. 
when they brought Meg McLaughlin in the year before last, all of a sudden their, their form skyrocketed because they had a focal point that could put the ball in the back of the net. And that's huge for every, every club. Tuggerlong haven't had that for a while now, um, but they've got some young talent there that, that, that can build on that. And, and Michael's convinced that this season's going to be better for them. And judging by the outlook that we've seen, having chatted to Michael and having seen what they've been doing on social media and stuff, the vibe is really good down there, which is very important. Um, they're getting lots of people to their training sessions, pretty much as the Panthers were doing as well. And they're pretty confident that you know, it's a short season, given a good start, win a couple of games. Momentum's a big thing. Yeah, we talk about the importance of you know clubs having a presence on social media. I mean, Togonong United have, have been very uh, vocal and very um, have, have maintained a really good uh, you know uh, high profile on their social media, which is which is important, I think, uh, most definitely. And uh, Matt, lastly, uh, the the Wagga City uh, Wanderers. I know you had a chat with uh, Coach uh, Sam Gray. What, what did you take out of that uh, that conversation? It was a very interesting uh, conversation with Sam Gray. Uh, the I know we covered them last season, Wagga City Wanderers. We covered them last season, uh, seventh place. They finished on nine points, so they only had three wins, zero draws. And they did have a young squad last season. However, what he something he wanted to stress was is that he has a very he was very very excited to bring through youth from last season. They played in the under 17s, which made the final. Mm. Uh, in what was a very close encounter, and some would say some dubious decisions were made there in that final, which is what I've been told. And controversy a bit of controversy which yeah. uh, he said he didn't want to comment on just like yeah. <laughs> um, just to leave that be however he also wanted to mention so yeah, sorry get my words mixed up he wanted to mention that that youth that he's bringing through this season he's very very excited about not to mention he brought some more experience in and he wanted to stress um, what something that impressed him was he ended up getting a few players from Canberra, he said, and not just Canberra, players from surrounding regions that aren't specifically in that Wagga. He he said it's very encouraging that he's that players want to come from that players want to come from Canberra and other surrounding regions to his club, and it really helps boost the morale. And before I hand it to Russ, there was another player he said he wanted everyone to watch out for was Suze Boria. Sorry if I got that last name wrong. She's the current captain. She was the captain of the reserve grade last season. He he really praised her leadership, especially during the COVID period. So considering the mix of youth and successful, uh, sorry, the mix of experience and successful youth from last season, how do you see Sam Gray's Wagga City Wanderers competing this season, Russ? I think they'll compete very well this season. I think their players that he's talking about, the clutch of under-17s that are coming up, are going to bring a fresh energy to this squad. We saw a few of them last year that made, uh, when they were short of numbers, they came in and filled in. They did more than fill in. Um, Piper Lockley, for example, played in the number 10 role there, and she was outstanding. She's a player that everyone should be keeping an eye on. Great vision, great technique, good passing range as well, and I think she'll only get better. Up front, they have Megan Castle and Tez Vakari, who were scoring goals for fun in that under-17s competition, and they looked sharp when they came up to first grade as well. And Tia Lyons, um, if I remember rightly, has got one heck of a free kick. Anything within about 30 metres is going to be a problem for opposition goalkeepers. 
he has experience in there as well. He's got Olivia Moore over from Canberra Olympic. And if I remember rightly, a few seasons back, she was player of the match in a, in a cup final where she marked Michelle Heyman and, and, uh, was when Angelo Marillet was in charge of the Monero Panthers and she was a youngster there. And if she's improved, um, that'll be a massive signing for them. And it's really encouraging, as you said, that there's people from around the area that want to go and play for Wagga City Wanderers. I had a good chat with Sam um, in the week as well, and he's very enthusiastic about what's coming. Um, it, it, you would think on a short season with them having to travel to Canberra a lot. It, it takes a lot out of you as a player having to do that. Absolutely. But everybody apparently is super excited to be involved in this project and super excited to come to Canberra and play football. And, and that can only be a good thing. We've seen several interstate teams struggle to bring teams to Canberra when, when the going gets tough. It's never seemed to have been the case with Wagga City, um, especially in their girls' programme where they have got a lot of impact on and off the fields. And I think Sam Gray, um, like I said, with those under-17s coming through, they're going to be someone to look out for this year. And, and like you said, uh, when we'll talk about Olympic and Monaro with the influx of new players, there will be less, you know, bad memories of how it went last season. Do you see? Do you see them going about it the same way? Yeah, absolutely. I think the key with them is is that you know you can come to Canberra and from Griffith and it, or from Wagga and it's what three hours or so. You can come to Canberra and get beat heavily, and that three hour trip home can seem like an eternity to reflect on what's happened. The feeling I get and the vibe I get from within that camp is that they never really let that affect them. They come here, they play their football, they enjoy it. If they get beat, they get beat fine, they go back and they start again. And I think when you bring youngsters through, um, they don't have that world weariness where if you do lose a game, you replay everything in your brain over and over. They're like, okay, there's another one next week. Um, they have that youthful energy that you just want to bring into a squad. And as you mentioned, he's brought a whole clutch of them up from his uh, from the youngsters this year from the under 17s this year and it's going to be very exciting to see how they step into that first grade arena um, hopefully they'll come in with no fear and they'll come and play some football and I think you take Wagga City Wanderers lightly at your peril this season it will certainly be interesting to see how they go this season and well one thing I forgot to mention especially with the seven rounds it uh, it's always everyone always says it's always important to get off to a good start but it's probably even more imperative with this uh, shorter season if you get to a good start and even if you aren't one of the favorites you get a couple wins under your belt you're, you're in contention right there oh yeah and then i think it all depends on, on for them what the draw throws up i mean it, depending on who they get to travel to wagga um or who they're playing here for example if they're going to play what we would say the perceived weaker teams at home you you bank them to pick up some points um, when your stronger sides go down there like Balcona showed last year it doesn't make much of a difference for that home field advantage but that travelling for the for the younger sides and for the for the less um, less uh, fancy teams is always a difficult one I think it could be the case again so we'll have to wait and see what the draw shows for them and last but not least we move on to Woden Western Michael you had a chat to Mark Boyle before COVID-19 outbreak yeah, yeah absolutely uh, they finished just fifth so they just finished outside uh, the, the, the top four so is it it was a fantastic uh, effort by uh, Woden West, Woden, uh, Western last year. Um, they just missed out. Obviously, I, I did mention just there they missed out uh, on finals football as they needed, uh, I think, a win in their final uh, in their final game against Monero. Uh, but they, they could only manage a draw, so you could have imagined the frustration that was, uh, you know, uh, that had been uh, drawn out uh, from, from a result like that. Um, Mark said... Uh, the squad is obviously very motivated uh, to, to return this season and, and do go that one step further, you know, not not looking to finish outside the top four. They want to secure that top top four spot. Um, they had a pre-season match uh, in Bathurst and despite losing uh, 3-0 uh, to the, the uh, Marconi uh, Stallions, uh, he said that, uh, that they were missing a majority of their, their forward line uh, for that game, but he's, he... 
he came away uh, from that uh, looking at the bigger picture and was proud of the efforts uh, that, that his girls um, showed, showed in that game. And uh, Rust have had uh, a, a few, well, you could say, the same level of in- inclusions as uh, there are uh, outs. Oh, actually, no. There's, there's definitely some more ins. A couple uh, more, a couple more ins. Yeah, and, and I can, and I've noted here, seen uh, here that um, Cassia uh, McGlasson, um, the, the captain uh, last year, uh, suffered uh, a gruesome uh, ACL um, uh, injury and and, and other uh, knee uh, complications uh, in a game against Wagga. Uh, so, so she'll be uh, definitely, uh, definitely missed. Yeah, they'll miss her for sure, and they'll also miss Alex McKenzie, who's decided to play for the Wood and Western Boys under-18s this year to improve her game as well. So that's wow. a big big call for her, and we wish her well Absolutely. for that season. So we'd like to see her do well in that competition. But Mark Boyd last year in charge with Sarah West alongside him. They did incredibly well, I thought. They got they were fifth in the league. They just missed out on the top four. They weren't far away from that. Um, reached the Federation Cup final as well, um, which kind of went under the radar a little bit, didn't they? They got beat, I think it was quite heavily by Belconnen United in the end, but just to be there on the day for some of these young players was a great experience for them. And he's recruited reasonably well. He's brought in some players, um, Lucy Darcy from Canberra FC, Demi Nikias from the academy, and Julia Stanton's been promoted, um, come back from the Woden West under 16 boys, where she would have enjoyed a decent season last year. So they have lost um, Sophia Christopherson as well, who scored a couple of goals for them, important ones. Um, Further to that friendly they played against Marconi, they did give the Panthers a touch-up in a game 5-0. Anna Vanderbrook scored twice there. She was their top scorer last season with nine, and I expect her to be on target again this season. She's got pace. She knows where the net is. And if she can link with Aisha D'Andrade, which she did in that preseason game because uh, D'Andrade got a couple as well, uh, they could create some problems for some teams. And uh, I'm interested to see if Wolverham Weston can kick on from last year's form and, and you know go one better again. Can they can they get to a, um, to a top-four position this year? Uh, we think where they have to knock off Gungahlin United to do so, uh, they've got the potential to be there. They were close last year, and they might go close again. All right, uh, we'll, that will be a wrap-up for our MPLW preview. We are extremely, extremely, extremely excited to be back and doing this after our three-month hiatus. And everyone, but our comparison, our um, happiness to be back would pale in comparison to those who are finally getting back on the football pitch. That is for sure. And our happiness definitely wouldn't be as happy as the Liverpool supporters are right now after 30 years of trauma. Sorry, I had to bring that there in again. again. Look, it's okay. I've, I've, <laughs> I've um, put a bit of, on my Facebook about it. Look, we've had a lot of banter with Liverpool fans this week as well. And as a United fan, we don't want to see Liverpool win anything. But they've been the best team in the competition by an absolute streak this year. And they thoroughly, thoroughly deserve that win. And if there's any Liverpool fans listening, I know that's all you're getting out of me. Don't ask for any more praise because you're not getting any. But well done. None from me either. <laughs> All right, thank you very much for coming on, Russ. We uh, look forward to having you back on next week when we talk about MPL 2. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to the season to start so we can get back behind the microphone and do some commentary on these games again. It's going to be an interesting season to see how everybody copes with what's been going on. I've just been compiling the squad lists as well for MPL men's to see if there's many changes to pre-COVID. There's not a lot of change. The biggest news there, I guess, is Tigers have lost their Argentinian striker, Augusto Colonari. He's had to go back to Argentina because he wasn't working here, so... Um, obviously, the three months off for him was no good, um, but they've retained their Mariano Caravaggio, so he's going to be here. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see how everybody ticks over in the men's and women's competition, what state they're going to be in when we come back. But I think, to be honest, we all just want to get on that field, kick a ball around or see a ball being kicked around and uh, really look forward to it. Well, there's not, uh, we don't have to wait uh, too, too much longer. So, I mean, it's going to be good to, you know, cut, 
you know, see see all the teams uh, back out on the field, uh, cover it in the many different ways uh, that that we can. Uh, it's it's been a while. Um, the break has, um, you know, it's been frustrating, but there's you know there's a bigger um, stake, you know, uh, given everything that's gone on. But now that we're um, now that we're back, I'm super excited just to you know cover the cover the game at, um, across men's uh, and women's and, and and at the junior level too. It's it's good to be back. I think it's really important as well to reiterate, obviously, to anybody that is going to be playing or or um, going to be going watching that we do still stay vigilant Absolutely. and careful because um, we've seen what can happen if you're not. And I think in Canberra that we're very lucky that we have a very educated populace. Um, and they will listen to the advice that's given. And, and if we do, we'll be back on the field soon and enjoying football. Indeed, thank you very much for joining us, guys. And just a little recap before we finish. Obviously, this is our WNPL preview. Sorry, MPLW preview. Next week, we will be doing an MPL2 preview. And then the podcast of the week of the return of play, we will be back and we will be talking about the first round for each of the competitions once Capital Football release the draw which as of now hasn't happened yet so thank you very much everybody and enjoy the football in the next few weeks